Welcome to Episode 5 of Initial Legal Offering. More Perrier than your Lambo's radiator, more blocks than your favorite Lego toy. It's Initial Legal Offering, the latest in crypto news and regulation. This week, U.S. states begin banning cryptocurrency as campaign contributions, Google reverses its position on crypto-related advertising, and the New York Office of the Attorney General releases a new report on crypto exchanges and possible market manipulation. Finally, our panelists face off over BAT, the basic attention token, which aims to decentralize the battle against ADD and ADHD worldwide. Ritland forever. <laughs> Joining us this week as we record from an undisclosed basement in a D.C. house party circa 1981, let's welcome Cryptocurrency's most mediocre panel. Hey, Ben. How's it going? Good, Jared. How are you? Good, man. Good. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Over to my left, we have Laura Beth. Hey. How's everyone on the pod today? Can we call it the pod? Is we, that a yeah, thing? Yeah, we can call it the pod. Okay. Uh-huh. Just making sure it wasn't copyrighted. I, I'm or just waiting for Ben to seize over the collective noun of pod for, for dolphins. I think I've already thrown that one out there. That's your thing, man. I've already thrown that one out there. Hey, guys. I'm Sevi. Glad yeah, to have you back. It's good to be back here with everyone. Uh, I know it's been an exciting uh, couple days, a lot moving in the, the D.C. area, particularly with the Kavanaugh confirmation hearings, with all those um, accusers. Allegations. Alleged. Activities, But look, I think um, before, while we were preparing for this, um, someone said it best that if this just was on the blockchain, we would have trustless confirmation of what took place That's very in that, true. Uh, that basement. Was it a basement? Nah. Allegedly. Allegedly. Oh, good point. That's <laughs> that sharp. That's how that's he gets paid the big bucks. Okay, so uh, it's time for the news. Uh, Let's um, shift gears into the first article. California is banning Bitcoin donations or cryptocurrency donations uh, for political campaigns. This was a good old-fashioned gut punch to the crypto community. You think so? I'm I'm convinced that this is a step backwards, man. I, I almost emptied my bags on the streets when I saw this article. This you burned a, your paper wallets, huh? Yeah, my paper wallets were almost burned, uh, rolled and smoked, actually. Um, <laughs> it's this California. So. This, it was California. So the Fair Political Practices Commission in California uh, met in a hearing uh, yesterday, uh, actually on the 20th to, uh, of September, uh, to discuss some proposed regulation for how they're going to handle cryptocurrency uh, contributions for uh, political purposes. And, and they're not. Well, and, and so what's interesting here is that if you ever wanted to watch an absolute circus, uh, an absolute dog show of a hearing with people that are genuinely ill-prepared and unequipped to have a discussion about things they don't understand, you can go to two places. You can go to my parents' house and watch my dad talk about cryptocurrency. <laughs> uh, much love. Um Or you can go to the Fair Political Practices Commission website and watch the September 20th hearing. It is what is colloquially known as a dog show. I'm not going to (laughs) say the word that you just quietly mouthed. But you you can watch their two-and-a-half-hour meeting go on, and you could probably stomach about 15 minutes before you're going to want to drive over there 
and and have some particular words. Anyway, Sit down and give those folks a nice education. Well, you know, I'd, I'd want to. to. I, I couldn't make it to the <laughs> At hearing. At a minimum. Um, I, after I had to turn down the invite to go and make it out because I, I wanted to go and educate uh, and share the, the love that I have for crypto. But you know what? The, and I've said on this podcast before, there is a lot about crypto that needs to happen and particularly it needs to start with accepting political contributions in crypto. This is a really good opportunity for for you to see how bad your government is, your local government, your state government is at understanding what is actually ha- taking place. So I would agree with you that it. I think it is a step backwards and I think that people should be involved in what their local and state governments are doing. But I think, you know, the counter argument to that is that cryptocurrency can be really anonymous and, you know, if you want it to be, and it allows for money from unknown sources to make its way into the political arena. Yeah, Um, but the same thing's happening with cash. Well, sure, and it's a problem there. Since Citizens United has pretty much said that corporations are people too, so that there's these different large contributions coming from at least their known sources. Well, so the part that really is frustrating to me with this this hearing, and, and, and we're not based in California, although if I had known about this, and California is such a big mover and shaker state, I mean, it's the largest sure. uh, U.S.-based economy, uh, state-based economy uh, in the United States, there was really no grassroots movement, no public questions. The questions they did get were really softball, underhanded pitch, and you could see the amazement on the panel and the committee's faces. And even they, at one point, respond like, no other concerns from the public. People were truly there, but not asking the questions. But anyway, getting back into the nuts and bolts, this is what they basically evaluated at this hearing. How are we going to regulate cryptocurrency uh, political contributions? Option one, prohibited completely. This is California making this decision. Option two, regulated as cash. Option three, permitted as a like-kind contribution and convert to cash within a window of time or within a reasonable period. Or permit crypto uh, and permit expenditures on crypto uh, and basically like just let it happen. So there are a bunch of other states that have taken some pretty clever approaches to dealing with what is the revolution and you know my my fists in the air when i say that and i'm part of this revolution you've got a bunch of states with a bunch of different approaches no one actually knows what's going on the feds are doing it different from california wisconsin's doing it differently from their neighbors north carolina and south carolina are clueless and i think um, south carolina is actually one of Similar to California, has yeah. said no, so, hard no. So the, the end result of this hearing is that California says, no, we're going to completely prohibit cryptocurrency contributions for political purposes. Sure. Um, well, well, there's a, there's, there is, you know, with the volatility of, of cryptocurrency and the, the fluctuations that we see in the value, I mean, we've seen what, Bitcoin's at what, 6,500 right now, but earlier yeah. this year it was at 20 grand. Okay. So, like, there should be an attempt here to keep the playing field as, as even keel as they can. So, you know, by allowing people to take donations in these, in a cryptocurrency that could potentially fluctuate, you may have somebody who's completely exceeds their, yeah, exceeds their cap. Well, and so there's a really simple solution for that. Um, some states have adopted an approach where you can make a contribution in in crypto, but it has to be liquidated within five days. Yeah. I mean, okay. th- I'm not saying that's the answer. What I'm saying it is, is... It is a answer, though. Th- that's Massa- that's Massachusetts' approach sure. to this. And it's a way to... You know, to allow in, people absolutely. So yeah. what crypto is is not some evil, and, and I hate that I'm about to quote this because this is like my least favorite <laughs> quote. Guns don't kill people; people kill people. Cryptocurrency doesn't commit crime; people commit crime. People launder money; people make illicit political contributions. Bitcoin never bets anyone. 
right? I mean, like, unless your oh. dog's name is Bitcoin. <laughs> I'm Roger, just, Roger Ver might. Okay. Well, Bitcoin cashed on about a whole bunch of people. Roger Ver can come and, and he, you know, why didn't I see Roger Ver there? Why isn't he one of his minions? I mean, he's got minions. He has minions, actual minions, right? Yeah. Uh, I think it's really interesting that none of these, like Coinbase, I think is based in California. Why didn't they send people to show up to this? And- well, that's because they've got their blockchain um, association that's now in DC doing their lobbying. They don't care about how it matters. They're just going to pay cash because they've got the cash to pay. You know, what really is interesting about this and where you see this making a a splash is what happened in North Carolina. So North Carolina's approach to um, handling political campaign donations with Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies is that they don't permit you to do it. It's, It's the California approach. Well, now California approach. However, this came about because earlier in 2017, someone was looking to raise funds uh, with the cryptocurrency community and they were going to be competing for House District 41 in uh, Western North, uh, Western Wake County. And the gentleman who was looking for the opinion on this was the underdog looking to upset uh, a Republican, it looks like. The Republican had raised about $122,000. His opponent, who was looking to have crypto contributions become permissible in North Carolina, had raised a whopping $9,500. And then suddenly, this becomes a political discussion over, we don't want grassroots movements, people with Bitcoin donating to these small entities, excuse me, donating to these underdogs, to give them the liquidity they need in their campaigns to compete with these well-established incumbents with the cash to spend. Like, you've taken a simple problem and turned it into a massive political conundrum when simply you could have taken the options of regulating this as cash or permitting like-kind contributions or forcing liquidation within the window of time. Yeah, when you present it like that, that just shows that it should be allowed. I mean, especially in that particular instance where you've got such kind of one-sided contributions and then you've got this one little guy who's like, oh, you know, some people might give me a couple, you know, Bitcoin over here, you know, which is, you know, pennies to the dollar on what this other, what his opponent had raised. And I'm not trying to suggest that this one person, this one incumbent changed and shifted the entire focus of Bitcoin in North Carolina, but it's just as interesting that that this, this gentleman who asked for this to happen in North Carolina, asked for guidance and advisory opinion on it, he became... His campaign and his race against this incumbent became the the issue that was discussed in North Carolina and became the, the test example that North Carolina decided and issued this advisory opinion on. And if you go back and you look at the news uh, from when this all happened in 2017, it blows my mind that it wasn't a bigger splash. And, and frankly, I didn't even know about it, and I live in North Carolina. But oh, um, wow. it's a much larger, <laughs> uh, much larger problem as well since you've got a lot of states ha- that have this um, one bank account rule where their concerns are that it's going to create a enforcement and auditing nightmare if someone's got a ton of Bitcoin wallets or a wallet for each cryptocurrency and they're going to have to go and audit all of those and find out where it came from. Do you think this is um, akin to the NRA problem where all these politicians are receiving money from the NRA and the NRA doesn't necessarily know or have to disclose where that money came from. We, I, I, I'm not sure I'm following. Can can you pay, pay me a better picture, maybe? Okay. So I think that there there has been some news recently that some some high level Russian folks made major cash contributions to the NRA, 
the NRA, and the NRA turned around and made those contributions. Yeah, to politicians. Mm. It was like a way to funnel the money, so it seems like it's coming from a reputable source. Or right. But, but they're doing that with cash. I mean, what's sure? Is, are I, you suggesting that crypto is just going to make it easier, and that's why we're looking well, to regulate it? Is yes. it more trackable through crypto? If it's if everything's not you know private coins that they're using, right? No, I, think, I mean, I think it depends, right? But I think that that's what politicians or whoever that aren't informed on how crypto works and don't understand the blockchain think that that some shady, you know, folks are trying to insert dark money, darker money into politics. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I can see that as being a potential concern. And don't get me wrong, I think there is a valid reason to regulate this kind of stuff. But it's politics. There's there already is, a lot of regulation on, you know, what an individual sure, can donate. Absolutely. But, it, but in politics, if you're going to run, the burden is on you to ensure that you're compliant with the federal and state rules. Sure. And so... I've, I don't have any particular issue. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm here on a cryptocurrency podcast ad- advocating for more widespread adoption of cryptocurrency. I would be completely okay, I think, if they permitted cryptocurrency contributions to be treated as like-kind contributions and requiring it to be converted to cash same day. The, the big problem that the, the Political Fairness Practices Commission, and I haven't looked at the advisory opinion because I haven't actually made a, a request for that, that document yet, uh, but I'm certainly going to. The, the issue that the Fair Political Practices Commission in California was suggesting was that they don't want the heartache and issues of having to audit these multiple Bitcoin wallets and addresses and tracking where this came from and, and having less certainty about what the funds are and where they're coming from. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not like they don't have this problem already. Yeah. And if they just put more of the burden with greater restrictions and greater penalties on the politicians for breaking and violating these rules, the politicians will regulate themselves. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not advocating for more laws. I'm advocating that we actually hold these people accountable when there is a violation that they are being complicit with. Put yeah. them in jail. Well, yeah. To be clear, I'm, I'm, uh, my opinion is the same as yours. Um, I'm just, although not in a court of law. Or yeah. Satan. <laughs> just playing devil's advocate over here. Well, it's going to be an interesting area, and it's going to develop. I mean, this is just at a state level, so, you know, the eventually the national government will have to address this problem and have to to, to deal with it. And, and I think as, as cryptocurrencies become more widespread use, you know, in, in, in the national economy, I think that they're going to have to they got deal lobbyists. with it in a positive way. Yeah. Well, they got, got lobbyists, lobbyists Here's the thing. Um, the Federal Election Commission has issued guidance at the federal level. Like These aren't just states that we're talking about. The, the feds have issued guidance. In 2014, the SEC issued an advisory opinion authorizing political committees to uh, receive Bitcoin contributions uh, subject to certain valuation and reporting procedures. And the issue that California kept having, that they kept bringing up in this hearing, is that there isn't a reliable way to uh, value Bitcoin, and therefore they're just going to prohibit it. I think that is narrow-sighted, and you know what? Shame on you, California. I am packing my bags up and I'm moving, which, let me go through the list of states where I'm moving to. I don't know where I'm moving yet to, folks, but... um, I'm going to one of the states that lets this happen. See you next week. <laughs> I'm sorry. That maybe maybe wasn't what you wanted to hear at the end of the podcast. Middle, beginning, slash, um, no idea what we're doing. I don't doing. think California's seen so much shade thrown since the great sequoia trees. <laughs> 
There's so many dad jokes going on over here. <laughs> oh. All right, Jared. Uh, l- let's move it on here. Um, the if you just let me keep talking, I'm going to go on for an hour. I mean, yeah. Like- oh, I know, I know. Got to cut it off somewhere. <laughs> what did California ever do to you? <laughs> so our next article is concerning Google and the fact that they are starting to open back up to ads that are related to cryptocurrency. So yay! So now some of those ads that I never click on will actually be relevant, right? the ads that I never see because I have an ad blocker installed but you know yeah so they they shut this down uh in March of this year and they shut it down for everything crypto related ICOs wallets exchanges trading advice pretty much everything so now they have announced that in October uh sometime in just a few days here they are going to open this back up uh but they're it's going to be pretty limited in scope uh so they have said they will still ban ICOs, wallets, and trading advice, but exchanges should be able to get in on this. And uh, like we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, Coinbase and several other exchanges have really been trying hard to gain legitimacy and uh, go through the proper channels to make sure that they're not breaking the law. So I can see why Google would want want their ad dollars back. You know, this is this big business. Uh, Google's making all kinds of money on uh, ad revenues, and they don't want to miss out on this uh, this industry as a whole. So, but they're they're going to be banning ICO ads. Is yeah, ICOs will still be banned. So there goes our marketing plan for that ICO Dang we planned it. last week. The <laughs> ICO for ICOs. Mm. Yep. Let's just okay. pencil that in for episode twenty. Okay. Yeah. Um, just give it a little calendar. Sp- we can one two skidoo us up a white paper <laughs> by then. Yeah. What the old one two skidoo? The uh, the problem with this whole uh, this whole Google ban on on advertising dur- during the full uh, full blown ban is that I was still seeing crypto related ads. You know, what kind of websites you on? Uh, <laughs> I, I guess the wrong ones. If um, cryptohub.com, I don't know. I just I, I know I still saw them. I mean, and and it was maybe it Something wasn't hub. straight ICOs, but it was still ads for crypto related or crypto um, tangential businesses, businesses that were tangential to cryptocurrency. Yeah, maybe so, they just slipped through the cracks. Yeah. So the ad said, "Meet sexy cryptos in your area." That's pretty much <laughs> what exactly. And I kept clicking on it, and so it just took me nowhere. Um, but so, so, there are sexy card? cryptos waiting to meet you now. <laughs> just ask My for your goodness. credit card information. <laughs> By episode five, we have definitely lost the string here. Um, no. I, so, what do you think this is going to mean, Sevi? Well, uh, wait. Let me ask you this. So, are there going to be ads? I know that. Facebook, Twitter, and Snapchat had had banned ads as well. Yeah, and uh, Facebook, Facebook is, has started accepting yeah. them now as well. They had banned them, I think, in January and then started to open it back up in June. They are working on a case-by-case basis, I believe, but still no ICOs, no scammy trading advice, uh, stuff like that. But That's yeah, a pretty interesting move for Facebook, I mm-hmm. think. Um, yeah, I mean, Facebook is, uh, Facebook is trying to eat Google's lunch in all areas of advertising. Um, they've been slowly gaining on Google for quite a while well, now. They've got all that so. Russian money to spend now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think they they're try- I think that they're also trying to like increase their legitimacy and you know improve their reputation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm not sure about Twitter or Snap uh, if they are still still have a flat out ban in the crypto space or if they're planning on opening back up as well. But I think it's I think it's a good move and. T- 
good for Google for making some more money on these exchanges looking to advertise. Yeah, I think this is probably a good thing for, for crypto. We need companies to start taking cryptocurrency seriously. If that means um, shutting down bad ICO advertising, I think that's probably a good thing for the space. Yeah, I have no problem with shutting yeah, down well, ICO. They, they yeah. started, they did this ban, I mean, March March of this year. That, that was, uh, I mean, almost the peak, you could say, yeah. of the ICO craze. Yeah, I mean, that was, two, that was two months after we saw the markets hit their all-time highs there in January. So, you know, they, they had valid reason to kind of, because there was a lot of regulation was still speculative at this point. So, you know, up, up now we have a little bit more regulation. The SEC is getting a little bit more involved. Other mm. um, states' regulating bodies are getting involved. So I think that they were just a little preemptive there and, you know, making moves. I think now they're starting to see that there's money to be made. And you have to think that with all with the market hitting such a high, with all the new ICOs, that a lot of people lost a lot of money and they were pissed. <laughs> well, a lot of this also comes down to is that you had you know the Zuck going to um, testify before the Senate, all of this other news coming down with uh, fake news, and I think one of the only reasons why. Uh, Facebook and now Google's, I think, is sending someone to testify before the Senate as well. Mm-hmm. I think they there may have been some concern and whispers on the Hill that they were going to be looking to regulate and allow liability to flow a little bit upstream if consumers and investors were being ripped off and these entities were doing nothing to prohibit ads that were truly and clearly spam or fake, Fraud. fraudulent, and doing nothing to stop them sure. could could make that liability flow upstream, especially if Congress got involved and rewrote some kind of act that would have them treated more like utilities. Oh, yeah. Congress is looking for any excuse to go after Facebook and Google and Twitter right now. So I'm sure they want to yeah, cut their liability there. Yeah, I think it probably was a good move, um, but I'm glad to see them coming back into the space. But again, it's going to allow the folks that aren't in crypto to see some ads. Um, the problem is, is that the ads that they're seeing is telling them, are likely telling them to buy Bitcoin for their IRAs, likely telling them to take get some technical advice from Tom Vase. Like the ads that are out there are not going to be the best, but that's always just been the nature of ads on Google and on Facebook is that, you know, it's someone trying to sell you something. And I think people are are getting better at being able to distinguish the difference between legitimate content and and ad-based content. Yeah, I'm definitely interested to see um, how exchanges or other cryptocurrency companies utilize this, uh, what keywords they target, uh, if they're looking for people going after traditional uh, investing advice or IRA advice, uh, things like that, or uh, if they're just going after people that are already in the crypto space. Hmm. So uh, in terms of um, uh, these kinds of bans, do you have do you have an idea of how Google would be targeting these these bad ads are they are they is it machine learning they're just looking trial by error by how their users react to the ads yeah i'm i'm sure they are they have some secret voodoo sauce behind the scenes there their machine learning algorithms that are looking at the companies that are submitting the ads looking at their home page what kind of keywords they see on the home page and uh, just looking for even just like conventional signs of fraud where making big promises for little work. And so I, I think they probably already have a have a pretty good handle on that and uh, won't take much tweaking of the algorithms to get that pointed towards uh, the, the crypto-based scams. So that brings an interesting question. You know, is, is there liability on, on the part of Google if they 
were, you know, having ads up there that were for fraudulent ICOs. You mean before mm-hmm. they banned them in March? Before they banned them in March, mm-hmm. or even now. So, I mean, now they're, they're, there's no ICOs allowed. So It would be a question of negligence and whether they had a duty to act to protect their users against things that they knew yeah. were fraudulent. We'll just develop that idea. Maybe that's better for another time. I think we need to get a good 1-800 ad, this ad sponsored by, and have a spoksman pitch um, an ad to call a law firm right here. I think if we could only just figure out a way to make that happen. Yeah. Sevi, can you just figure out that yeah, for us? Sure. See if we can make, make that, that happen on, uh-huh. on, uh, on the editing, on the make back end. Make it so. <laughs> Very good. So what's next for us? So up next we have this uh, report from the New York Attorney General's Office, their Virtual Markets Integrity Initiative. This came out last week, and it's a pretty detailed report. So what, they, what this office actually did was they requested information from the top 13 exchanges and this is all voluntary, so they didn't, you know, they didn't have to to give the information. They just, you know, said, "Hey, look, we're we're researching the exchanges and how you guys operate, and you know, for complete transparency, and you know, we want to just assess, you know, how your operations are run." Now, New York has been proactive on this. They've had bit license um, laws. That's actually the name of the the law, the act there, bit license. That's that was back in 2014 when crypto was just getting started. So they enacted this law. So they have one of the higher, one of the most highest regulated um, crypto markets in the nation and you know new york's usually the first at the forefront of everything because that's where a lot of business happens in in the states so where dreams go to die <laughs> yeah the city that never sleeps <laughs> and uh so this article though has has got a lot of good stuff in it so notably we should i think i should mention first is that binance gate.io huobi and Kraken all declined to participate in this voluntary in this pro- voluntary thing, and they all they all were alleging that we don't sell to New York residents. Can, can I jump in okay. here just for two seconds? So this yeah, is exactly. a voluntary participation, right, with the New York Department of voluntary, Water. yeah, completely voluntary. And for these companies that allege that they don't do business in New York, what was the consequence for not participating in this voluntary report? So the <laughs> I love this buzz. My favorite yeah, part. Yeah, the the office. Um, this, so this report was done by the Office of the Attorney General. Based on this investigation, they turned these four companies over to the Department of Financial Services to see if they violated uh, New York's. So it's a volu- you've got to voluntarily you've got to voluntarily participate, or we're going to turn you over, over to yeah. the Department. We're going to find Services. a reason that you've done something exactly. wrong. Exactly, I love it. I love exactly, it. but they do. There were some really interesting findings in this thing. So there's probably about there's five different aspects that they really focused on, but we're just going to kind of touch on them briefly. It is available online. We'll actually throw the link up on the on the Twitter sphere for everybody to take a look at. If you if you're interested in reading this report, I would uh, highly recommend it just so you know who you're dealing with when you when you do these exchanges. They you know we uh, part of the podcast here is that we we stress due diligence and make sure you do your research on these companies that you're trusting your hard earned simoleons to. So. It's good to know. Except hamster coin. Yeah. Um, Bought into that blind. Didn't yeah, you? that's the Just kiss that 10 grand goodbye. <laughs> Could have been a new car. Ugh, Hate that you borrowed that money from your grandma. Yeah. It's okay. She needed surgery, God, man. God rest her soul. <laughs> that's so terrible. Can't take it with you. Yeah. It's very true. So what's the nuts and bolts of the okay, support? Okay, so. They were talk- so one of the first things they talk about is these potentials of conflict of interest where some of these exchanges have no policy about their employees trading. 
or trading oh, on wow. the platform or you know what they hold or to disclose their disclose their their holdings to the company. So they doing yeah, that insider trading? It, that insider you know, insider there's, trading? There's the thing is that you know what they call that is like <laughs> um, when they when they know what the trades coming in and they make a trade right before it. Front running. Front running. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a chance that that can happen. But there's not a chance. It's happening. It, I think we can we can take a guess that that's definitely the case. High probability. Yeah, yeah, this is why like in the traditional stock markets, you have all these companies trying to get trying to get closer and closer to the physically to the New York Stock Exchange. Someone's running an the, Ethernet cable across Wall Street. Yeah, well, in New fiber York. fiber yeah. uh, cable directly across the street trying to get the lowest latency time so they can get in quicker. And if you have people in the actual company, well, they're right there they're obviously going to have the best chance of getting out orders ahead of time and uh, of course they know how the systems work too if they work there um if they are an engineer or know the engineers then yeah they have a huge advantage there yeah so interestingly enough two two of the exchanges actually do have policies on the book so this is um bitrex and gemini uh nice. the, the winkelvoss brothers as if you will they um <laughs> don't try and say <laughs> it Jared. The name. they require that the employees disclose and then actually bitrex goes a step further and they limit their employees to trading to a two-day window every quarter wow. so that's every three months they can only trade for two days which is which is really interesting um and and as well and they also kind of looked at how these exchanges pick which coins they decide to to host on their markets oh it's shady I bet. um yeah and so there's no standards out there yeah. for for what they do so, you so know, you're saying our ICO has a chance yeah, <laughs> if we can pay the fee, if we can pay um, uh, an can exchange enough money. Can we pay the fee money. in our ICO token? Why not? <laughs> Stranger things have happened, right? So we know that only one of these exchanges had a framework for this, and this was Circle, which is oper they operate Poloniex. And they have a framework on how they decide to list a cryptocurrency. And then they'll you know tell any compensation received um, by that cryptocurrency. So one of the reasons that Binance probably did not submit any information is that they're known to charge exorbitant fees most notably um that was asked on the dogecoin subreddit that's one of the reasons why they're not listed on binance is because the fee to to list them is, is i mean it's a bajillion doge <laughs> does so, it say what that uh, amount is in the report it does not because binance didn't oh right they didn't binance participate didn't, so <laughs> didn't um, didn't want to disclose that number yeah. or and so there's some other stuff they talk about, which is like the trading desks as well. So a lot of these markets hold a ton of this cryptocurrency. So, you know, a, a market typically works as you've got a buyer and a seller come together and that whatever the the price agreed upon is what you'll, you'll buy or sell for. So, but you can instantly go to Coinbase right now and say, I want to buy five, five Ether and you click it and you bought it. Well, you're actually buying it from Coinbase or... It, it, they they keep a trading desk like that where they keep these bags so that the market's always liquid so that they can sell quick or or buy quick if they need to. So what's the issue with having a trading desk? So because they could be viewed as a market maker, they could, you know, potentially, they could be in, involved. They're, they could be trading against the other users. They could be trading against other users, and also you know you run to implications where it's wash trading where they're just trying to create liquidity trying yeah. to create the kind of liquidity in there yeah. um, and then you have some whale come in who wants to liquidate something and they can't do it because you know for whatever yeah. reason they just don't want to honor that transaction yeah and you know they and along along with that is you know the use of bots a lot of people yeah. use bots for for trading and there's not a lot of 
or any regulation on that point. You know, they, they allow that stuff. Some so of the bigger a, issues come into uh, stop limits as well. If you've got yeah. a stop limit for a significant amount and you're trading against the trading desk, they they could avoid executing your stop limit simply to ensure that they don't that that transaction doesn't happen. Yeah, you know, it's this is a this is a pretty big issue if you think about it because where is all crypto going? It's going to these exchanges, and you know, we're we're, we're toting on decentralization and the importance of it, but it's getting fairly centralized at Binance and at Coinbase and at these places where you have listed on on that document in their reports yeah. and. We, we've got no really no other place to trust them until yeah. until loopering comes around, right? Right. <laughs> that was a joke, post. just by the way. This is not financial <laughs> yes. advice. So the, the report also talked about, you know, the, the KYC, the know your customer protections. And some of the exchanges don't require that. So and and some of them actually don't even um, block masked VPN. So you could have multiple accounts and you could you could be on a market doing your own wash trading. Hmm. And and what what the report kind of um, alluded to is that if it's if it's a fiat to virtual kind of currency trading that you're doing, you're probably going to have they're going to more than likely comply with the the know your customer stuff. But if it's virtual currency to virtual currency trading, you just sometimes it's just an email address and you know a name that you decide to give and yeah, an account. VPNs are a hard thing to block, though, uh, especially with financial data and uh, you might have someone who they just want to make a trade from a coffee shop, a Starbucks, and you don't want to do that on Starbucks open Wi-Fi, so you use a VPN. So it, it's hard to block those kinds of things without hindering legitimate users of those services as well. Yeah, so the, some of the other things in, in this report were that the, the protections for consumer funds. The report stated, and I quote, they were often limited or illusory. So, you know, kind of lack of auditing, consistency, transparency in, in the market holdings. And that some of the exchanges didn't require two-factor. They would recommend it, but they didn't require it. We know that if you really want to keep your stuff safe, don't tell anybody about it. Write it on a sheet of paper. and. Uh, <laughs> Burn it. <laughs> Except on this podcast, yes. where we yeah. have we, full and f fair disclosures. <laughs> yes, of course. Of all your Doge holdings. Wink, wink. We sure That's do. the most subtle <laughs> wink. This isn't streamed video. Um, <laughs> yeah, so they, they also found... Coming next week. <laughs> streamed video. <laughs> then subtle wink. <laughs> they, they also um, found that not enough... <laughs> Not enough exchanges were in. Were That's the new mark of the segment on this podcast is called Ben Subtle Wink. <laughs> I think we need to do it. I, I don't know what we can, how we can I make this Coffee relevant just to Kevin. Oh, yes. <laughs> don't invest in Doge. Wink. <laughs> it's a bad idea. We need to boomerang that and put it on Twitter. <laughs> yep. yep. Oh, gosh. Okay. I think we can see this really going, the Ben Subtle Wing going mainstream. I mean, we can see Brett Kavanaugh doing that right now. I didn't. I had no idea she was. <laughs> I was definitely not at that party, even though I don't know where it was or what day it was. Or Oh, look, here's my calendar. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> where I definitely yeah. didn't write down any parties yeah. oh, that my mom was watching over. My, my teenage I, I'm um, sorry, Ben. Your subtle wink took us so, way off. Uh, we'll wrap it up here really quickly. So, you know, the, they were worried about the protection for consumer funds, that, that it wasn't transparent enough, that the exchanges were not engaging in enough penetration testing. That's when you hire an outside consultant to penetrate your defenses. <laughs> do they call it that in the reports? They do call it that in the report. I bet you and there's some schmuck New York lawyer who had a good old time writing that sentence. 
you think he was like, that's what she said? One hundred percent guarantee. Typing it out. Um, I wonder if we can get this. Uh, this is from the AG's office. I wonder if we can get the author of this report on the pod just to confirm that fact for us. <laughs> Um, I think it was they. They mentioned a lot of their interns yeah, and stuff. We could get we can get an intern on for sure. We, mm-hmm. we we'll make not, that happen next problem. week. Um, so they <laughs> they talk about that. They talk about the insurance. You know, people are start they're starting to have insurance for this kind of stuff. Absolutely, um, small move. Yeah, um, you don't want your exchange to get hacked and uh, not have any coverage to protect you from from bad actors. I mean, yeah. exchanges are honeypots, right? I mean, for, for exchanges yeah. are honeypots for hackers to come and test their security and test their skills to hopefully take a big win. I mean, imagine M turning a, a Bitcoin wallet on an exchange at Binance. They've got to have a couple hundred million in Bitcoin. Well, I would hope it wouldn't all be in one wallet. But yeah, even if you get one. But, I... but look how many exchanges there are. You know that OPSEC is not as important at some of these smaller exchanges that can't afford to have all the same structures and formalities and sophistication that someone like Binance would. Yeah, and that's why we keep seeing hacks uh, of these smaller exchanges and uh, really just drives the point home that you should probably avoid them because... The smaller they are, the less money they have for these uh, the penetration testing like, and yeah. following good OPSEC. The, the best example of a lack of sophistication in a sophisticated business that I've heard so far, and this just shows a genuine lack of understanding uh, in the crypto space, is Coinbase. Coinbase at one point was broadcasting every transaction that was happening, any purchase for Bitcoin, to the, the network every time. So the fees that they were paying were massive. Mm-hmm. Instead of batching those all together and batch broadcasting to make one fee, yeah, th- I mean, yeah. even even when you have a sophisticated actor, they can still make stupid decisions. Some say that that's the reason why Bitcoin's transaction fees were so massively outrageous beginning of this year, later last year, when, when people were pointing fingers at Roger Ver. Roger Ver can't be the, the, the cause of all our problems. Some of this may, most of the problems, <laughs> but... Some of this is just maybe sophisticated individuals and corporations can still make really stupid decisions like putting all the Bitcoin in one wallet. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, that's just a function of how young the industry still is. Sure. And you have these uh, big players coming up and you don't know what kind of experience they have with uh, with running an exchange. Like goes back to our discussion the, the other week about what was the what was the coin the crypto of the week uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, MCO, MCO yeah. and how they had a bunch of people from the finance sector, but that doesn't always translate perfectly from from one industry to another. They True. might have specific skills that relate to yeah trading and running exchanges and that sort of thing, but yeah. not yeah. to the crypto itself. And you really need people at every level um, with experience in every field coming together and working on these problems together. Are you, are you trying to find a job? Is that why you're pitching <laughs> this so hard? Is that what you're doing here? Uh, uh. So so interestingly enough, I had heard a rumor, and, and I'm not going to say that it's not 100% confirmed, but it's pretty close to it, that Roger Ver keeps his private keys in his wallet, written down on a piece of paper. Hmm. Well, I mean, wow. I, you heard it here first. So wow. if anyone uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, anyone wants to confirm that for us... Yeah. I think Just we should. Start. So should, the, uh, the, the yeah. last that was made up. That was completely <laughs> fictitious. But I want to start that rumor here. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So the last part of this report goes into outages and suspension of counts and stuff like that. We've seen that when there's like iota. I know for sure on Binance. Sometimes you can't trade it. You can't move it. So the thing is, is that they discovered that some of the markets 
or some of these exchanges do actually have policies that so they can tell you what happens you know if trading is suspended or what you can do or how you can transfer your assets when there are outages or if there's planned outages and mainly too is being transparent and disclosing the outages they've had you know historically and so that way you kind of have an idea on what it, what happened then how they acted you know what happened to customers funds during that time so there's a lot of Overall, if you're trying to get into the space, I would recommend reading this report. It gives a good overview of the markets and which one has the best fee schedule, which one has the highest security, and you can kind of weigh all those options and see what works best for you. So let's say you so, were coming into the market, Ben. Where would you go? After looking at this, I think it was um, Bitfinex. Bitfinex? Yep. Which is they close are, to U.S. Which customers. No, yeah. <laughs> no excuse no, me. Bitrex. Bitrex. Bitrex, yeah. yeah. yeah There's so many Bs and Xs, man. I just... <laughs> yeah, why, what is up with know. that? I don't crypto. know. I don't know. I think it's bits and bytes and Xs and Os. <laughs> I don't know how... I don't really know how Hugging binary works. To the bits and bytes. <laughs> but it's one or the other. But no, Bitrex, so they're actually based in Delaware. No, no, they're incorporated in Delaware. They're based in Washington, so they're in the U.S., so if something happens, you could sue them. Washington State? Washington State. Where at? It's undisclosed. Okay. Main Street. But they have the lowest They have the lowest fee, like yeah. um, fees, and they have some of the best, some of the I, better. I think they were talking about um, letting security. you cash out and uh, yeah. put in fiat as well. I don't yeah. know if that's implemented. It's been a minute since I've been on uh, Bitrex. I yeah. think they do have they fiat have. trading pairs yeah. now. Nice. Washington State has the lowest energy cost yeah, in the so country. Do, yeah. like, but that's just my, that's just my gathered from, from this report. You know, Obviously, read this. Read up Any on one of those them. that if you were getting involved, you would want to avoid. That's a really that's a good so that's Ben's subtle wink of the week. <laughs> Let's um so there's these other ones that are don't specify a lot so like Poloniex, Itbit, Tidex, they don't so there's some stuff that they have missing yeah. that I found that the other the other um exchanges so here provide Bitrex is where you would throw your hats yeah, into. Yeah, yeah. Bitrex okay. is where I like So that's solid it, advice here on the pod. Yeah, in, interestingly that's enough, genuine. so last week this came out last week, we've had some some pushback from the markets or from the exchanges. Notably, I'm just going to talk about one, which was it. Kraken. Oh, geez. Their founder, Kraken, Jesse Powell. They're actually based in California. They specifically disclosed, we don't sell to New York. That's why we didn't do anything. So, And he actually described the, the, the legal regulatory environment in New York as abusive. Well, he went on Twitter. It's probably not wrong. And this is his quote. Here it says, New York is that abusive, controlling ex you broke up with three years ago, but they keep stalking you. Throwing shade on your new relationships, unable to accept that you have happily moved on and are better off without them. Hashtag get over it. So I, I think I know why he said that. You know, they used to be based in New York, right? They they actually moved out of New York because of that. their um, hmm. because of how ridiculous their bit licenses are in New York. It's a it is a nightmare to get a license to trade crypto or to have an exchange based in New York. They've yeah. made it so difficult to do it that people are leaving. Which, which I guess is just an overarching fear in the regulatory environment that we're not going to regulate soon enough or with enough clarity that when it does happen, it's just overly, people are going to want to yeah. leave. It's going to be overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So what's next for us, Sevi? All right. Next up, we have the crypto of the week. And to recap here, uh, we have chosen a top 100 crypto. Uh, and last week, we came up with basic attention token. What? <laughs> You've been the waiting. one and only that's the one and only you get uh, <laughs> I've been waiting a week to make that joke <laughs> yeah so we're going to talk about that here for a minute and uh, the way we do this is we flip a coin to choose the pro and the con side so I'm going to pull that up right now and 
it has come up with heads. So, Jared, you are going to be pro, and I will be con. Pro bat. So, I, I was thinking about a small change that we could make to this the segments. I think what we need to do is we should have a brief disclosure of what bat is and whether any of us. Yeah, own I any. think. That, well, uh, let's not say if we. No, it was a bet on the wick of the week. Is that, is that it? We're not revealing our bags on the podcast. Well, I don't think we should say how much we own, but whether we actually own any. I think it's yeah. fair okay. that fair. we disclose yeah. that. And I'm, I mean, all I'm holding is hamster coins. So, <laughs> um, so I, I, I'm going to disclose that I have owned bat, but I'm not currently holding any. Uh, I didn't sell because I had any issues with the the coin. I was holding for purely speculative reasons, and as the market was tanking, I abandoned ship like everyone else. I don't think I ever owned any, but it's possible. I definitely do not now. I do not own any bats. So I don't, but after doing some research this week, I'm actually might be hopping on the bat board. I'll the just bat say wagon. that looking <laughs> the bat at the Batmobile, come oh, on, guys. <laughs> it was right there in front of your right face. There. <laughs> it was, sorry, uh, a Marvel guy here. Excuse us, things are getting batty <laughs> around the office still. here. Looking yeah. at Bat, B-A-T, like um, whenever you do work in federal court, they have the judge's last three initials on all the pleadings. Like that's part of the case number. And there was a judge in the Western District of Washington that I used to practice for. Um, shout out Brown Tashita. What's up? <laughs> do you know if he holds any? I do not. He should. Um, I do not. Consider exploring his own due diligence. <laughs> so in their in their white paper, though, Bat does an excellent job of explaining the problem that their token and their software is going to address. Give us the scoop. What is Bat? What, are they, so, what is the problem? Here's the problem. Google something. Go to a website. Click on something. There's ads everywhere. You've got... Buy this, buy that. Sexy cryptos are in your area. <laughs> They're wanting to meet you. Grow your cryptos 12 inches instantly with this bill. Oh <laughs> That's all you see nowadays. That's all you see. I thought the subtle wink was something else, sir. <laughs> you know ads are influenced by the sites you visit, right? Yeah. So... I think that's just to you. you. Yeah. Um, Poker. <laughs> Online casinos. I, uh, <laughs> you know what? I think we just need to start this whole episode again. <laughs> just scrap the whole scrap thing. Scrap it. We can cut that one out. So, so like Ben, seriously though, what what is in a nutshell? The big problem is how ads are served. I mean, so I, that they don't serve. They okay. don't serve the purpose that they're intended to. They use up your data to they load them. They use up your data they're to load them. They time. waste your time. They use up your plan. They use up your battery on your phone. There are so many reasons. Is it because the publishers aren't doing a good job of serving it to the, a specific audience or that the audience is having no involvement? I think it's just an overload, a sensory overload. You've got so like, I know some of those clickbaity things on like uh, on Facebook. It's like 30 pictures of this, and you have to click through every single one, and there's ads everywhere. I mean, it's just... The space is just too. It's You'll never just, believe what so and so's daughter looks like now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you got to click through thirty links to get there, and each one of them has twenty different things, and you're waiting minutes for this to load. It's a is that CoinDesk.com you just described? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um. So it's it sounds like you're pretty pro. You're joining me on the pro wagon. Yes. Here, right? Okay. Yes. Good deal. So that's gonna make and, my job and easy. And their their white paper does a great a great job here on going through what, what how this problem has developed, and especially that. Google and Facebook are killing the ad. They're the main advertisers here. Over 73% of online digital revenue goes to Google and Facebook. And in 2015 to 2016, over 99% of all the growth was on those two companies. So they're dominating the space here. 
and they're they're using what you click on in your Facebook to send you ads, but they're just I mean, you're just overwhelmed with them all the time. And they actually quote um, Herbert Herbert Simon in, in their white paper, and it says this. In an information-rich world, the wealth of information means a dearth of something else, a scarcity of whatever it is that information consumes. What information consumes is rather obvious. It consumes the attention of its recipients. And, I mean, that makes so much sense nowadays. I mean, you've got all these ads when you're just trying to do a simple search online, and if you're not ever going to click on them if they're, you know, or you might get tricked into it, especially like uh, YouTube videos now. When you open up a YouTube video, all these pop-ups come up or all these little things on the video come up when you're trying to just close it just so you can watch the video, but you can't because there's too many ads. I think that this is a problem that everybody faces. Yeah. If you've ever been on the internet, so basically everybody ever. So th <laughs> this is one of the reasons why I actually signed up for YouTube Red. And and I think that as far as pros go, I think Bat and Brave Browser have, have, have come up with an excellent problem to solve uh, i signed up for youtube red simply to avoid having my kid watch like prozac commercials while watching like little baby bum on youtube look you know there's a youtube kids right i do now um <laughs> it, it is real and it is amazing and except like half the stuff you're, huh is it paid do you have to pay for it no it's free it's just, a it's section, just an app subsection. but like half of it's in another language but, is it, but I, call that, I call that global learning is it yeah. ads? Um, that, but the ads are like kid appropriate. Okay. Well, so I'm going to be canceling YouTube Red. And <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. I'd, I'd never yeah. bothered to look. Um, but one of, the awesome. one of the things that I really like about Bat, and this is a really simple pro, and I don't care how many cons you're going to come up with here, <laughs> the, um, the the founding team of Bat is literally the guy who created Mozilla Firefox and who created the world's most versatile and best programming language, oh, JavaScript. Oh <laughs> I'm going to get some death threats. Don't get me started. Um, but, I, no, I, I think, um, I forget, what is his last name? What, what does the fox say? <laughs> Jeez. you got to play the music. The, um, I think it's Ike. Uh, uh, Ike, yeah, Ike. E-I-C-H. Uh, e um, Brendan or something like that. That's correct. Um, Brendan Ike. Ike, that's what it is. That's how you pronounce it. So Mr. Ike is legitimately the co-founder of Mozilla and Firefox. He created JavaScript. Besides these two things, it would be very easy to say that he may have invented the internet next to El Gore. Was mm, it El Gore that after invented the Netscape, internet? After the founders of Netscape Navigator. Tim Berners-Lee, come on. Okay. Um, <laughs> point being is that there is an amazing team uh, working here. They have a fantastic vision of uh, what they're trying to develop and create. We know that internet ads suck whether you have purchased them or been served them. Not only is it terribly expensive, it is inefficient. And being able to match to who you're trying to sell your ads to is terribly difficult. Imagine serving an ad and being paid back a percentage, or maybe watching an ad and being paid back a percentage. But beyond that, they don't even have a roadmap They've got a road behind them. Like this is a project that has developed uh, a tool, a cryptocurrency project that actually has a working tool, a working product. They've got 2.4 million monthly active utility? users. And I think uh, I, not to uh, go against myself here, but I think I saw an updated number on that, and they're up to like four million active monthly. Yes. that is ridiculous. That I mean, that's that's a four million active monthly users on the Brave browser, mm -hmm. which has been developed to facilitate these bad payments, uh, excuse me, Brave payments, 
And, um, and frankly, it's the wave of the future to gain back some of your privacy while being comfortable giving out uh, what you're comfortable giving out while reserving what you're not comfortable with. It's really for sophisticated consumers on the internet. As the internet becomes more of a right and less of a utility, we're going to see more people moving to the Brave. And frankly, last night, I downloaded the Brave browser. Four million and one. <laughs> Whoa. Right here, ladies and gentlemen. You know what? Just a couple hours ago, I actually downloaded it myself. Oh, high five. Can we get a high five on the pod? Boom. There it is. I, uh, I'm, in. I, I'm in. I installed it on desktop because I wanted to test it out and uh, see what it was about. It's uh, it's all right. I, I have some qualms with it. Uh, these are legitimate. Like Overall, my actual personal opinion is I want this project to su- succeed. I think they're doing a lot of good things in the ad space. But considering that I'm on the con side today, their browser needs some work. <laughs> what don't you like about it, or where do you think there needs to be work? A few different things. One, it is, it's still early on. Uh, they have a very limited number of extensions. There's like 10 extensions that you can install right now. They, I believe, have said that in future versions, they'll be able to incorporate the entire Chrome extension store. So that's down the pipeline. But beyond that, I was just going through some settings because that's what I always do as soon as I install a new piece of software is go through all the settings and see. Um, For some reason, they don't send do not track requests by default um, when you install. And um, this is all on the desktop. I don't know if anything on mobile is different. They also, their experimental tab isolation uh, by process, that's still experimental right now. That goes a long way towards keeping your data safe between the various uh, pages that you have open. And also just from a, a usability perspective, if you have your tabs separated into different processes, if one crashes, it doesn't crash the entire browser. Chrome's yes. done this for years and years. Yeah. Firefox has just moved into uh, doing this as well. So they got a little catching up to do there. I also saw that Google is the default search engine on this, which is hilarious uh, to me. But yeah. and well, it's, uh, built, it's built on the Chromium. Yeah. So yeah. it's actually built on the Chrome. I, I believe that why they have done this is the same reason that Firefox does it, is that Google pays them to do it. Like something like 90% of Mozilla's revenue comes from Google wow. um, just for having them be the default search engine. So, yeah, Someone asked me just two days ago, how does Mozilla Foundation make money? I, I didn't have a great answer for them, but now that, mm-hmm. I, now that I know that, they're sending default searches Google. Yep. Wow. Yep. Interesting. Um, I'll call them. But that was an know. interesting bathroom conversation. You it had. was. Um, <laughs> I had a wide stance, um, much like some of our former senators. <laughs> Just leaving. <laughs> we can edit that right out. <laughs> no, but I, I actually, I, I think the biggest problem that I have uh, with the Brave browser, besides some weird UI choices that they made that I don't particularly like, is that there is no way to easily import third-party blocking scripts. So out of the box, this browser blocks tracking, fingerprinting, ads. But those have to come from lists somewhere. So if you install Adblock or Adblock Plus, they have a list of built-in domains that they're just not going to connect to. And Adblock Plus has gotten in hot water for whitelisting some ads when the servers of those ads have paid them to do it. Um, So I don't use Adblock Plus. I use something called uBlock Origin. 
And that has a fantastic feature built in where they have their set of lists of domains that they're going to block, but they also have a ton of extra lists and you can import lists from around the web. There's, sorry, what exactly are in these lists? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm... They're uh, domain lists of sites that just won't be allowed a connection to your browser. Where are these lists coming from? I, and and I've, I've, I know the answer to this, but I mean, there are users contributing to these yes, lists as users well. users are contributing to How, Brave is, is doing an amazing job of connecting user input to this. I mean, what's the issue with that? I mean, you, it makes it sound like you're saying lists are bad. No, I'm saying we don't know where their lists are coming from, gotcha. and we don't. There's no easy way to add to their lists. Gotcha. You can add domains uh, individually, and they use the uh, a similar method as AdBlock Plus. I think they use the same syntax to do that, mm -hmm. but you have to copy and paste in all of those yeah. lists from various places. Whereas in uBlock Origin, you just open up the settings and hit a check checkbox. Or but doesn't this scale with user involvement? Those lists grow as more and more users indicate where the issues are in the Brave browser. Uh, I'm I'm interested to see. I don't know if they have their list posted anywhere, or if they are using um, a standard one out there. I think Easy List is one of the big ones, and uh, uh, there's a bunch of them out there. So I, I didn't go that far into it to see which list they're using, if they are compiling their own from multiple sources or what. But I just think there's better functionality out there for ad blocking. And yeah, I've been using uBlock Origin for years yeah. now, and it's it's always worked yeah, great. Yeah, you encouraged me to install that. I love mm -hmm. it. I think yeah. it works great. You know, the, the big reason I think we're going to see people move to the Brave browser, and I think this is a massive pro, is that we're seeing Google and Facebook poo-poo on more and more people's privacy. Mm -hmm. We're seeing more and more of these large tech companies get pulled into Congress to come and testify about another data breach, target the, the shop, like Target, they can't hold their credit card secure for more than 16 minutes yeah. Yeah. before there's another data breach. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many debit cards you've had replaced because of Target, <laughs> but those guys need to start accepting crypto ASAP because it's it's going to save them some monies. Yeah, and also last week, this has kind of been brought to light, that Chrome's latest update, now if you go to log into Gmail, you it requires you to log into the browser. So there's, there's functionality with that and that it imports your bookmarks and stuff like that, but... I want to push this back on that a little bit because I think that report was overblown. It signs you into the Chrome browser automatically, but it doesn't actually send any data to Google unless you have already set up sync in Chrome. So it's not sending your data off to Google without your permission. And actually, anyways, they made this a uh, uh, toggleable setting in uh, the next version of Chrome that'll be out next month. So they heard people's reaction to it and they're walking it back, even though I don't think it was as bad as people were saying. Yeah, but, but the big distinction here in it between Chrome and Brave is that you've got the client-side machine learning with Brave, and you have none of that functionality with Chrome. Don't don't you see? And, and I know Chrome and Google they're doing an amazing job uh, presenting a acceptable version of future browsing to consumers, regular consumers today. They're doing a good job to advance their cause, but. Brave is cutting edge, in my opinion. Like what they're doing and what they're presenting with client-side machine learning, which there is a con that they may consume some processing um, speed and some memory, but it gives you control and you can actually, based on your browsing history, Ben, have ads served to you that are relevant. Um, you may see some better ads knowing that you haven't been to those other sites. Yeah, and, and I think Brave is actually, they're, they're 
Pioneers in the space. Now, a couple other obvious clones have tried to pop up, but they just don't have the functionality. And also, the bat token is supposedly going to be issued to to the user eventually, um, and that you you're picking the content that you like and that you're you know sending enough information back to them. And, and as a result, you're getting rewarded. As for a result, you're, you're getting rewarded, but you're also, it's like a double reward because you're also getting, you're going to start getting content that's more relevant to you than what you're, you know. And maybe you end up purchasing something you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. not just so so much clickbait. What's the, think, what's, the, what's the con there, Sevi? I think that's an interesting incentive, and I think it's entirely necessary because a lot of the people who may be aware of Bat and the Brave browser are probably going to be people like me who are already using ad blockers. And I think they're going to have a really tough time enticing people to go back to looking at ads when they've been used to blocking everything. So this feature isn't live yet. We don't know how much the payments are going to be. We know the percentages, but where the price goes and how much people end up paying for these ads are going to have uh, an effect on how much the end user gets. Yeah. And it'd take a good bit of money for <laughs> to entice me back to looking at ads again. I am <laughs> So what you're saying is that there is a price. There there's a price, sure. Um <laughs> especially because I know on this platform they have laid them out to be not as intrusive as the kind of ads we've been seeing the last couple of years. So yeah, sure, there's a price, but Honestly, I'd rather use their other system of paying websites directly based on how long you're on the site and uh, and how many times a month you visit it. I'd rather support the sites directly than get paid back to look at ads. I think I'm ready to uh, render an opinion on the winner of this crypto week of the week battle. Uh oh. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, f- I feel like there is one con that I'd like to throw out that I have a problem with before we hear your final judgment. <laughs> right. um, oh, I got more cons, too. I, I, I know <laughs> you do, because there's a con on here that I think is a massive, massive con, and I hate it so much. And you see this happen so much with, with crypto uh, projects. So they created 1.5 billion tokens, and the dev team has 500 million of those. They the dev team didn't actually get five. Oh, no, I know they, they got like two hundred million and three hundred went to, to user yeah acquisition um, user and acquisition. Sure, but yeah, those still two hundred million. That is a lot of freaking bats. Like bats trading at sixteen point six cents. It's a crazy amount of bats. That's there are maybe bats in the belfry for doing that. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's like over thirty million dollars there that went directly to. And to the dev team, and I don't think that. Do you know how many companies have gone in as VCs on this Brave? Oh, tons. There are, there's a list as long as my arm. Yeah, I think com- they 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 raised thirty six million in thirty seconds when this ICO. That's started. from just the ICO. I'm That's talking about crazy. money that's coming from traditional finance VCs, angel investors. I mean, this Ike guy spits on the sidewalk. Someone's going to pay him money for that. I mean, he knows it's how to Banksy raise funds. Now. now it's a Banksy. <laughs> it's, it's true. Um, you got to you got to chisel out that cement and put it on your wall. Art. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that that's a concern for me. Like, why, why are we raising this much if they've already got that much capital? From from what I understand about how much they've raised from the that that just makes me concerned about a project being mm-hmm. so well capitalized that it actually may become a problem that they become complacent and don't develop the project right yeah to get that much in venture funding and underutilize the money i guess is what i'm concerned about right i i mean this is a 
this is a fork of the Chromium browser, and they built off the top of that. So the the question of where those where those engineers are going to spend their time going down the road, I mentioned before, they have a lot of work to do, but yeah, they have a massive amount of money. Um, they also have a giant pool of money for uh, user uh, acquisition. They have done a few grants, they called them, for trying to entice publishers to claim their accounts on on the Brave platform. and uh, Which I think we should do this week, by the way, for the office. Yeah. We should, we should become a verified publisher. Sure, why not? See, see what it's about and report back on that process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, for it. I'm trying I'm to get paid to in bat, baby. <laughs> I, I do have one question again. Sorry to keep throwing. The you judge off is on about this to ju- throw the hammer down. Th- on you're you. about to give me a bench slap um, <laughs> on your decision. Hey, um, hey, <laughs> um, dad, saucy jokes. In dad here. jokes. Uh, saucy. Do you know how this whole uh, revenue model is going to work exactly? Ads are being served to consumers. Consumers are going to look at them. They're going to get paid for seeing them. Is that your understanding? Yes. And each Brave browser is a Brave wallet, as I understand it. Yeah, they have partnered with Uphold. You can, however, bring your own keys, like keep them in your own uh, hardware or software wallet. So just a thought here, and not to be negative Nancy, but do you remember a cheeky little application called Selenium? Yes. Is that the name of it? Selenium. Yeah, Selenium. Um, why don't we, just throwing this out there, to throw a wrench in the Brave browser world, run a thousand million instances of Selenium on AWS, view a crap ton of ads and generate a gazillion dollars of revenue from it, run out all the publisher's money <laughs> on the day that this launches? What stops us from doing that? There was a section in their frequently asked questions on their site about Ad fraud. Uh, this is a big problem in the industry, anyway, as yeah. a whole. Buying clicks. That we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, not just buying clicks, but uh, fraudulent clicks, competitor clicks, um, fake clicks. Yeah. To be honest, I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. Well, you know, I think we should look into it. But before we just rule this thing as uh, as dead on arrival, I think we should move on to the um, Ben Slick wink of the week. No, wait, sorry. Come on. Damn it, I've, I just got you rolling your fingers at me saying I should move on. I'm sorry. I'm desperately trying to move on. I think it's pretty clear that the winner of this crypto of the week is bad. I uh, agree with that. I mean, I was going to send you to the judicial standards if you didn't. Say yeah, that after that was the after winner. the research that we, I think we've all collectively put in this week on on this token, I think that shows some real promise. I mean, we as a project for sure, as a project for sure, and then yeah. you know, not to mention mm-hmm. the founders and everything behind that and yeah. all their, you know. Great Look, this shouldn't reflect on you, Sevi. You've done an excellent job presenting some negatives, and we didn't even let, let you get into all of the negatives. I didn't say that you won. I said bat won. Oh, but <laughs> doesn't, doesn't that mean pros win? <laughs> no. No. I, 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 I the really project th- wins. I really only think there's one way that, that bat wins this, and that's if, Laura Beth, you download bat. That's the only <laughs> way that bat wins. Right we are yeah. three for four. Yeah. And uh-huh. yeah, if, I can do if, that. If, if, well, I'm, I'm not trying to... Look. Convince you to do it, but if you see value in controlling your privacy, I may or may not have made a Coinbase account this week. Oh, oh my God! You are no longer a no coiner. Um, I didn't say I had any. Ladies and gentlemen, you hear you heard it here first. Well, too bad about that wash trading. <laughs> now, I like I said before, I I do want this project to succeed and sort of clean up the ad business because uh, it is a massive business right now, and they're yeah. going to have a hard time dethroning the 
the, uh, the Googles and Facebooks, Googles and, Facebooks yeah. and uh, yeah, all the other ad companies out oh, there. I did see that they had partnered with um, my favorite search engine, DuckDuckGo. That's right. If you don't use DuckDuckGo, you aren't in the know. <gasps> Wait, did I just create a new slogan for them? <laughs> um, Interestingly enough, when you go to open a private tab on Brave, guess what Guess what search engine it uses? It uses DuckDuckGo. It does. Over Tor. Oh. Wow. Yeah. That's fancy. So nobody knows what you're searching for, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> Zing. Ben, what's yeah. that crazy crypto prediction of the week? Okay, so quick disclaimer here. <laughs> I'm going to be more upbeat and All right. and not about to be, this. Not to be misconstrued as legal or financial advice, as you're better off getting your advice from a colony of penguins because they are definitely more sharper dressed. <laughs> Who wrote uh, this? That, <laughs> more sharply that would hurt, hurt as I said it. Right. More sharper. So this week's pick is Sciacoin, which is the file sharing or the file storage coin. It's been around for a little while. It encourages sharing of the world's unused hard drive storage to allow for blockchain-based market for a blockchain-based marketplace on which you can buy and sell your storage space. For far, this is now the way they tout this is it's far lower cost than your traditional cloud storage, what much less cheaper than than Dropbox. So. Think of it as like think of Dropbox as like your parent. Um, they keep all your files in one place, you know, where they can access it, and and you can get it if you give them the password. You know, if you you scratch your dad's back, he'll let you take the car out, whatever it may be. Um, <laughs> not sure where this is going. Instant cringe. So, si- <laughs> so where si- did you say you were from, West Virginia? <laughs> <laughs> so si- So think of Siacoin as like having one hundred cool uncles. You know, they hide all your stuff for you. They keep it guarded, guarded privately. They don't let anybody else get to it. They don't even know what it is. <laughs> it's um, be a, fi- a five in a bins farm. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. This oh. is the best Sire ad so, I've ever heard. So they shouldn't be paying you for this, sir. Exactly. So this means that Sire, only, we only are the... open to uh, <laughs> open to ads. Sponsorship on this so, podcast. So your cool uncle's holding this for you. He doesn't know what it is. Cool, cool uncles, plural. Cool uncles, yes, yeah. because it's spread out across their whole distributed network. No third parties can access it because... It's on the blockchain, but they're in pieces. Only the only the the user who's encrypted the files can access it, and it's actually like ninety percent cheaper than traditional cloud storage. So, if you wanted a terabyte of storage on Amazon Cloud, twenty three dollars a month. Saya, two dollars a month. How much faster or slower is it? So, it takes a little while to upload. Um, I have the client as far as like holding Saya coins in a wallet. Yeah, and it's they don't have a light client. So you have to download the whole chain, yeah, which takes ten can take ten fifteen minutes. But if you leave it off for a few weeks, it can take a little bit longer, um, half hour or so, for it to completely um, sync up and and be done with oh, downloading scary. the whole chain. Yeah, so I th- that's just the wallet client. Now yeah. I think that the storage solutions that that they come up with in the end are going to be are they going to be better? So than give that. us this crazy prediction. So, I, I love the fact you picked this coin, by the way. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's a good coin. I see some some value in it. Yeah, so currently it's trading at six tenths of a cent. I'm conservatively, conservatively uh, guesstimating. Indubitably, <laughs> I'm conservatively guesstimating that um, by the end of November we're going to see double that. It's going to be at um, one point two cents. So, that being said, that's the crazy crypto prediction of the week. I'm holding some bags. Yeah, I'm. If this goes to, if this doubles to one point two cents. We're doing this next episode live from my rocket ship. Nice <laughs> to the moon. Yep, I, uh, I'm all I'm all about this. I do have some significant concerns for for Sia, and I don't want to make Sia the coin of the week. 
Um, and I guess we still need to pick the coin for next week. Why don't you go ahead yeah, and I'll no, pull so it up. I yeah. do have some coin uh, concerns about Sia, and a lot of people pronounce it Sia as well, but I think whatever. it just depends on what hemisphere you're from. I've heard it both ways. That's the recording artist. Yeah. It yeah. goes <laughs> both ways. <laughs> um, one of the concerns that I have is that what? if you are holding someone's a portion of a file that contains something that is illicit, like uh, child oh, pornography, yeah. you could be, even though it's encrypted, it's on your individual device, uh, even if it's only a part of the ones and zeros of that file, you could be distributing. There's child an argument there, yeah. And and that's a strict liability offense. There's no argument for it. I mean, your simple possession without knowledge is still possession. You don't need knowledge. You, <laughs> you don't need knowledge. Yeah, I don't. I'm not running it. You are. Um, I just think that's some some significant concern. Well, I'm not hosting that, any files. I'm, I just have the yeah, wallet. Yeah. I, I don't know the answer to that, and I'd like to maybe come back with with an answer next week. But that's a concern that miners, I guess, if you're holding these yeah. files, you're a miner, yeah. um, need to have, and potential potentially some FUD if the New York Attorney General ever comes out and issues a report that Psycoin miners could be distributing child pornography if the if they're hosting these files even though that you don't know what you're hosting yeah that's you've got some problems interesting scenario yeah. there that and, is something they're gonna have to deal with i'm sure because yeah. you know it's not just simply child pornography there's a lot of things that you know terrorism or, or anything like that, that can yeah be. so a quick question do you guys know who the state equivalent is i wonder if the sbi would be involved the state bureau of investigations in north carolina whether we could issue them an advisory opinion on this or if there is some other governmental agency that we could ask for an advisory opinion on this fact and then well, bring just it back. realize when you ask them for that they're gonna be like all right hand over your hard drives <laughs> i mean i could say you're asking for you <laughs> <laughs> that would be hey. believable yeah. uh, <laughs> um anyway just a thought um let's go ahead and pick uh let's go ahead and pick next week's coin uh our random coin of the week is picked randomly interesting enough as the name suggests wow that's right and uh this week we have rolled a 57 which is populous Hmm. Sounds Their like there's a lot of involvement. Is invoice discounting for the new era. Rebuilding invoice discounting block by block for invoice buyers and sellers. What does I that have, even mean? I have no clue what this means. Who's buying and selling I, invoices? Uh, does that mean like accounts receivable? Yeah, I I was trying to read while you guys that were just like talking just now. And uh, yeah, invoice discounting is a form of funding that instantly unlocks the cash tied up in outstanding sales invoices. Yes, it's accounts receivable. So it's that's actually governed by the UCC. This is going to be interesting now thinking about this. Oh, I just saw you get excited about your first blockchain project. It's like a proud parent. <laughs> no doubt. You've made me so happy. Now I realize that the secure transaction class I had taken in law school was not for naught. Uh, that's awesome. You should you right. should email your professor and say, "Hey, those classes I slept through. I'm gonna have to re- review your notes again." Well, it's very exciting. Uh, we, uh, I may just have to let you take the lead on crypto of the week next week, since you seem to know what this is, and uh, I do not. So, yeah. so we can sell some of those. It'll uh, be interesting to see bad, how they approach that because that's a, that's a state also. Tune in next time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's as good a time as any to say thanks for listening. Guys, remember, like, rate, subscribe. Uh, follow us at, at Initial Legal um, on Twitter. Thanks again, guys. See you next week. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in.